continued from last week. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And whither thou lo- and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. Up to this point, it's all been about Naomi. She was prepared to face the music of shamed widowhood alone. But Ruth steps into the story with this beautiful declaration. It's eloquent enough to have been quoted at countless weddings, but it's the declaration of a younger woman to her mentor, do not ask me to stop following you. What honor she gives this trembling old lady, a broken-hearted widow who believes God himself is angry with her. Ruth grabs hold and won't stop following, almost like Elisha refused to leave Elijah when he was about to be removed as God's prophet. She opens herself up to everything painful Naomi will face. This same God whose hand has gone out against you, he shall be my God. What love? If anything but death parts us, let the Lord do to me what's happened to you and worse. If you know the story of Ruth, you know that this is only the beginning of some wonderful things happening for this young lady. To her, though, she's dying to everything she's ever known except Naomi. The past few weeks, we've been looking at how crucial it is that we learn to let our good sense continually conquer our wild emotions. We've learned to run things by our authorities. We've learned to stay where our authorities can keep an eye on us. Ruth is going to have some unappealing things to do as this story goes on, but right here she makes a choice that makes every other choice for her. She chooses an authority. She chooses an older woman. She chooses to never stop following, serving, and blessing that older woman, and she doesn't change her mind. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. So they two went until they came to Bethlehem. Ruth probably feels a little silly, but she's made her choice. She'll follow this silent treatment all the way to this strange land where her people are considered incestuous scum. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. This reminds me of the Shunammite. Ruth has an idea that requires work. She asks permission, and she expects it to turn out well. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was the kindred of Elimelech. Her hat means it happened that, or her luck was, to end up working in Boaz's portion. God controls our fortunes. What appears to others as amazing luck is actually the result of God rewarding good choices, rooting from faith that it shall be well. When we believe God for something, we're never ashamed. In Isaiah 50, verse 7, it says, For the Lord God will help me, therefore I shall not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. I love that verse. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now that she tarried a little in the house. So she's asked permission not just from Naomi, but now also of the main servant to glean in the field. When Boaz sees her, he asks whose the girl is. Not who the girl is, but whose she is. It was an important question. 
For a young lady to be gathering food in the corners of the field, she had to be desperate. Was she running away from somebody who might come after her? Was she a servant who ought to be in her own master's field? Was she a wife whose husband didn't take care of her? Was she perhaps single? Old Bachelor Boaz had plenty of reasons for wondering whose she was. That's really a great question, by the way. Before allowing ourselves to become interested in someone, whether a celebrity or a potential mate, we ought to ask ourselves whose that person is, not just who they are. No man lives or dies to himself. When Boaz saw that young lady, he may have been interested in her, but before he allowed himself to wonder about her, he checked on. He first checked on her authority. Whose was she? If she was the new bride of the guy traveling through, he had no business asking more questions about her. Boaz was a wealthy man. He developed some wise habits. He was an older man, and I'm sure he had seen a lot that he learned from. A wise man will not approach a lady with no thought to whose she is. If a man wants to get to know me with no thought to my circumstances, whether I'm married or not, whether I'm already taken, he's not out for my best interest, and he's not going to make me happy in the long run. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence. But abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go into the vessels, and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Just as she believed, she's found grace in someone's eyes. He calls her my daughter. He's even ordered the young men to leave her alone. How thoughtful. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? She was probably thrilled when the head servant allowed her to glean. Now the owner of the field is being so kind to her. He's noticing her. She expected to find grace in someone's eyes, but now that it's, now that it's happened, she's wondering why. She's just a Moabite, a stranger. Why would he bother talking to her? She's actually asking a probing question. Maybe she humbled herself so low so she can get away with it. Why are you being so nice to me? She knows enough to know foreigners aren't usually welcomed by the rich and established, unless the rich and established have ulterior motives. And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy, thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. That's just about as beautiful as what Ruth said to Naomi. He's not trying to take advantage of her. He knows who she is. He's considered her sacrifice. He blesses her in the name of the Lord God of Israel. The new God she's discovering loves her more than she could have guessed. Then she said, Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for that thou hast comforted me, and for that thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, though I be not like unto one of thine handmaidens. She accepts his kindness and thanks him for it, while acknowledging her weakness. She humbles herself by being thankful. Being thankful is such an easy yet humbling act. There's no beauty aid anywhere that makes us lovelier. In her book, For Women Only, researcher Shanti Feldhahn interviewed thousands of men discovering that one trait they overwhelmingly shared in common was that, in general, men feel like imposters. Regardless how successful, regardless how handsome, almost all men admitted that deep down they feel like they're faking it and they're terrified that they'll be found out. That's the reason behind the male ego. A perfect woman is scary to men. When Ruth admitted her weakness to such a powerful man, she wasn't losing his respect. She was giving him permission to be human, too. A perfect woman is a scary thing to a man. And Boaz said unto her, At, mealtime, 
at mealtime, come thou hither and eat of the bread and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers, and he reached her parched corn, and she did eat, and was sufficed and left. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and reproach her not. And let fall some of, and let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her, and leave them that she may glean them, and rebuke her not. So she gleaned in the field until even, and beat out that she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, and she brought forth, and gave to her that she had reserved after she was sufficed. And her mother-in-law said unto her, Where hast thou gleaned today, and where wroughtest thou? Blessed be he that did t- take knowledge of thee. And she showed her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought, and said, The man's name with whom I wrought today is Boaz. And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord, who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said unto her, The man is, of, is near of kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. And Ruth the Moabite said, He said unto me also, Thou shalt keep fast by my young men until they have ended all my harvest. And Naomi said unto Ruth her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that thou go out with his maidens, that they meet thee not in any other field. So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of barley harvest and of wheat harvest, and dwelt with her mother-in-law. So Ruth tells Naomi the whole story. Naomi's wheels start turning. When Ruth mentions he told her to stay close to his young men, Naomi encourages her to stay close to the maidens, and she obeys. Maybe Boaz was trying to make it easy for her to meet a young man. But Ruth listens to Naomi and stays with with the maidens, and Boaz notices she's not following the young men, as we'll see. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? And now is not Boaz of our kindred with whose maidens thou wast? Behold, he went with barley tonight in the thrashing floor. Wash thyself therefore, and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor. But make not thyself known unto the man until he have done eating and drinking. And it shall be, when he lieth down, that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie, and thou shalt go in, and uncover his feet, and lay thee down, and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And she said unto her, All that thou sayest unto me I will do. Naomi has revived. She has a purpose. Sweet Ruth, whose name means beautiful friend, doesn't know what she stumbled into, but Naomi knows how tied to the land they are. The land must stay in the same family for generations. When one family dies out, it falls to relatives to not only cultivate the land to keep it productive, but also to bear sons in the name of that family so the land doesn't pass into hands that aren't part of that tribe. It takes a near kinsman, someone in the family, and rich, unattached Boaz is a near kinsman. And Ruth, honey, surely you can see how nice he's been to you. So Naomi tells Ruth what to do. Wash yourself, anoint yourself, get fixed up, honey, and make sure you smell good. Make sure you're clean, get your pretty clothes on, and make sure you're covered. Don't want somebody thinking you're selling what you're not. Now, don't don't make yourself known. Wait until he's full and happy. Pay attention where he is, and you go in and lay yourself down. He'll tell you what, you, what to do from there. Really, all this sounds weird to me. I'm not from Bethlehem. It may have sounded weird to Ruth, too, but apparently she doesn't demand an explanation. She's made her choice to follow this old lady here, and why stop now? So she does exactly what she's told, even down to the nerve-wracking details. And she went down to the floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn. And she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, Who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. Talk about guts. 
this time disoriented in the middle of the night. He doesn't ask who she is. He asks who she is. She responds by saying she's his handmaid, and can she please be his wife? (laughs) Whoa. Here's why authority is so important. In Bible relationships, sometimes we see the woman approaching the man, the woman initiating. In Genesis 2, God brought Eve to the man. She came to him. Rebecca was brought to Isaac. Ruth approached Boaz. Each time she was directed by her authority. She wasn't out chasing down a man like the strange woman in Proverbs 7, but she was making the first move. If a woman hasn't decided to follow authority, she's not going to budge when she's directed toward a good thing. Because good things don't just fall in your lap. They come to those who take scary leaps of faith and obedience to what an authority has told them to do. If a woman is led by her emotions, she will not enjoy the blessings God has planned for her. And a woman will be led by her emotions if she hasn't placed herself under authority, humbled herself. Sometimes authority is clear. God makes it clear that children, not yet adults, are under the authority of their parents. And in Colossians 3.20, God leaves no question. Children, obey, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. In Ephesians 5, God makes it clear that once a woman is married, she is to be subject to her husband as the church is subject to Christ, submit to him in all things, and reverence her husband. But there are times when parents and husbands aren't available. A girl at boarding school doesn't have parents available to follow. A woman whose husband is deployed can't always stay visible to her husband. What's a lady to do? Look for the godliest man around and married or not, adopt him as her spiritual boss man? Um, no. Ruth found the older woman God had brought into her life, a woman who followed God and was already close to her. Was this woman perfect? Well, she had told Ruth to go follow heathen gods in the previous breath, so no, she was far from perfect. But Ruth ignored her weakness in the depths of her pain and chose to follow her anyway because she knew her. And in the process, both of them were transformed. And he said, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, and as much as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, fear not, I will do to thee all that thou requirest, for all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. And now it is true that I am in thy near kinsman, howbeit there is a kinsman nearer than I. Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning, that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman, well, let him do the kinsman part, kinsman's part. But if he will not do the part of a kinsman to thee, then will I do the part of a kinsman to thee, as the Lord liveth. Lie down until the morning. And she lay at his feet until the morning, and she rose up before one could know another. And he said, Let it not be known that a woman came into the floor. Before she's his, they're both determined to avoid not only evil, but the appearance of evil. Neither of them know for sure that he's going to be her husband. You never know for sure until you're married. Also, he said, Bring the veil that thou hast upon thee and hold it. So she was covered like Naomi had told her to be. There was no doubt she was there for righteous reasons because of the way she was dressed. A veil is a garment that's completely unnecessary except for modesty. He filled that veil with six measures of barley. And when she held it, he measured six measures of barley and laid it on her, and she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, Who art thou, my daughter? Again, somebody's asking her who she is. She doesn't answer the question. Rather, she tells what he did. A woman's identity is found in relationships. Men aren't like that. When you ask a man to introduce himself, his first response is to say what he does for a living, usually. When you ask a woman, often she'll say she's a mom, or she just got married, or she's a grandma, or she's a teacher, or something relational. If we define ourselves as women by our relationships, then our relationships ultimately determine how much influence we wield. When I'm determined to be in control, I'm limiting my influence. 
I'm actually cutting off the amount of power I wield. Like Barney Fife, determined to get my way despite Andy's better judgment. When I go against my authority and seek control, which I often want to do, my power disappears. My husband doesn't want to listen to me. My children sense my bad attitude and no longer respect my position of authority, and I lose control with them. Those around me sense my unrest and lose confidence in my judgment, all because I'm determined to take power. Ruth, in contrast, releases all control. She allows Naomi to lead her. She asks her if she can glean. Then she offers the head of the servants to tell her no by asking permission to glean in the field. She does exactly what Naomi tells her to do, and now she's putting her entire future in the hands of a man in a very intimidating scene in the middle of the night. And she told her all that the man had done to her. And she said, These six measures of barley gave he me, for he said, Go not empty unto thy mother-in-law. Then said she, Sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall, for the man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day. Now there's nothing she can do but wait. Sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall. That is such a hard thing to do, sit still. But Ruth obeys. She trusts and obeys. Sometimes we have to trust that those around us want to do what's best, that we aren't the only ones who have the best of intentions, and sometimes we have to wait on other people to do what we can't. How do we know when to wait? It helps if we've chosen an authority God's already placed in our path and stuck with that person, whether it's a parent, a husband, or an older woman, even if that parent person sorry, isn't perfect. Then went Boaz up to the gate and sat him down there, and behaved. And behold, the kinsman of whom Boaz spake came by unto whom he said, Ho, such a one, turn aside and sit down here. Turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit ye down here. And they sat down. And he said unto the kinsman, Naomi that is come again out of the country of Moab selleth a parcel of land which was our brother Elimelech's. And I thought to advertise thee, saying, Buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is none to redeem it beside thee, and I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. Then said Boaz, What day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also of Ruth the Moabites, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the manner in former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing for to, for to confirm all things. A man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor, and this was a testimony in Israel. Therefore the kinsman said unto Boaz, Buy it for, that, buy it for thee. So he drew off his shoe, and Boaz said unto the elders and unto all the people, Year witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Kelion's and Malon's of the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren and from the gate of his place. Year witnesses this day. And all the people that were in the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. The Lord make the woman that is come into thine house, like Rachel and like Leah, which too did build the house of Israel, and do thou worthily in Ephrata, and be famous in Bethlehem. And let thy house be like the house of Pharaoh, whom Tamar bare unto Judah, of the seed which the Lord shall give thee of this young woman. I think it's interesting that they pray his house will be like Leah, Rachel, and Tamar. The three of these women had incredible lineages, and not one of these women was close to perfect. So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. And when he went unto her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. 
And the women said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life, and a nourisher of thine old age, for thy daughter-in-law which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons hath borne him. And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. And the women her neighbors gave it a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi. And they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Pharez. Pharez begat Hezron, and Hezron begat Ram, and Ram begat Amenadab, and Amenadab begat Nashon, and Nashon begat Salmon, and Salmon begat Boaz, and Boaz begat Obed, and Obed, Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David. Last week we saw how none of this would have happened if Naomi hadn't followed her husband to a heathen land, if she hadn't accepted her Moabite daughters-in-law, and if she hadn't returned home a dejected widow. The same is true for Ruth. If she'd listened to Naomi's heart-sick advice to return to her gods and stop following her, David would never have been born. She'd never have been listed in the first chapter of the New Testament. If she'd not made that first overarching decision to follow and obey this imperfect older woman, she'd have never been the hero, the heroine of this precious book. Sometimes your entire life can change through a single good decision. That decision, if you stay with it, can make all the rest of your decisions for you throughout your, the rest of your life. What does it all boil down to? We must believe that God is real, that He wants to bless us, and that He's in control and not making mistakes when things go wrong. Because Ruth believed that, she followed the older woman in front of her. She believed he was going to care for her, so she got busy and did what she could. I don't know a lot about Ruth's background. She may have come from a broken home. I'm guessing her growing up years weren't pleasant in that heathen land where child sacrifice was a way of life and the women were famous for their ability to turn men from the true God. As she begged Naomi not to tell her to leave her, it could be that she knew, knew nothing— it could be that she knew that nothing but the God of Israel offered her any hope. Even if this old woman, her only link to this God, rejected her, she was going to follow even if it meant silent treatment, sunning and servitude, shunning and servitude. And God loved her story so much, he made it into his own book and made her his